episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders, where each and every day we set out to conquer the villain of self-doubt by having encouraging conversations designed to feed the mind, strengthen the body, enrich your relationships, and nurture your spirit. Our guest today is Scott Schroeder, former Forcecom Sergeant Major and author of Behind the Colors, where we are going to talk about not screwing up your life because of young mistakes that you made when you were a kid. Welcome to Signal Fire Radio. Joey, play the music. We're home, boys. Here we are. Oh. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Signal Fire Radio. I am your host, Rob Renz, Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, local small business owner. I am joined by two of my best buds in the world. And if you have been listening for the past month, you know that the third leg of our tripod was missing. But that sweet, silky, silky voice you just heard is Evan the Muscle Hamster Anderson. Welcome back, buddy. Return of the Mac. Return Return of the Mac. Yes, you did. Welcome back, dude. How are you? I'm I'm super. I'm the weather's grodio, but I'm yeah. I'm super juiced to be here as usual. Yeah. Juiced. Can you talk about where you've been? Like the you know, we called in and you and Matt had that fun little Lady Gaga. Yeah. Tit for tat. Which, which I love Stephanie more than Matt, but we'll not get into that. Uh, yeah, so I've been supporting a sea boss or a Kona Space Operation Support Mission. And without divulging too much, it's uh, helping out some of the teams that are that are forward from back here. So with some of the skills that we've been able to develop um, within the 1st Special Forces Command, um, utilizing a much better internet connection than what they have forward, kind of uh, helping to support the the missions that are ongoing. Matt, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, Evan Evan did some time away from us because he was doing everything that he just explained. But you were doing it all from the living room of your house, right? Yeah. With yeah. a cool flannel and a hat on. And- That's insane to me how yeah. far we've come. I know it. Where you can run an operation to the size and scale of what you were doing mm-hmm. from a laptop well, in I mean, your living are, room. People are running, you know, Fortune 100 businesses from their, from their living rooms. I guess, yeah. I just... You know, when it's a military thing, you know, amazing. Absolutely. That's full spectrum warfare, my friend. (laughs) Welcome back, dude. (laughs) Welcome back. And to my left is our other good buddy and friend, co-host, Matt Mylot. How you doing, bud? Alive and well. Yeah. Tell us what's happening in your world. Well, um, I spend about eight to 10 hours a day straight in Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes, hour-long conversations that could be neutralized in... I don't know, a 30 second email or maybe a even shorter conversation. But uh, overall, me and the ladies are healthy and um, we're just growing momentum and growing the flame of Signal Fire. So I love it. I love it. And speaking of growth, we have for the first time ever, all three of us are wearing our own Signal, signal Fire merchandise and apparel. Yeah. Unbelievable. Rob and I are wearing larges. Yep. I'm, Evan? I'm also wearing a large. But uh, at least my sleeves are filled out, Rob. <laughs> it's a very long large on Evan, though. Joey, oh. Joe C says he's got an XL. I forgot. We got Joe. Joe's rocking the easy hippie today, too, as well. Yes. I love it. <clears throat> the you know, XL. We announced, a- Evan, while, while, you were go- while you were gone, we announced the sale of our T-shirts. And if, you, if this is your first time joining us, we, we do have merchandise available for sale at our website, signalfire.media. Again, that's signalfire.media. Now, these shirts have a purpose and they have a story. And the money 
that we generate off of them go to a good cause, which, Evan, is something that you have directly benefited from, mm-hmm. tell our listeners why they should go buy our T-shirts. Because the T-shirts benefit um, a cause that is near and dear to me and to you and to many of our friends, um, both on the side of you know, the owner, the leadership of, of suiting warriors and also the beneficiaries, you know, some of our, our, uh, our soft brethren out there who have recently transitioned and, and are now fully dressed for success. Um, so the proceeds for the t-shirts go towards supporting suiting warriors, which then turns in helping us dress like big boys for our big boy jobs. Yeah. It's so funny when we did the suit up with you at Brad Keselowski's place. Oh yeah. <laughs> Here's a fun story. So all, th- all three of us were there. We made a trip up to Statesville for a day, like four or five hour drive. And we had a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, just loads of fun. Cool town too. Cool town. Yeah. Downtown Statesville was really cool. Dug it. Um, and uh, <laughs> somehow Evans, your coat fit perfect. Yeah. But the pants. <laughs> I think they, so I have a 31 waist. Yeah. And I think, I think my pants were a 42 Evan came out of the dressing room. I look like the nutty professor <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you look like the nutty professor dropped like 60 pounds. Yeah, you know, yeah it, you was, went, it was rough. You went from you went from big Eddie Murphy to small Eddie yeah. Murphy, but you were wearing big Eddie Murphy's pants. Yeah, it was it was uh, uncomfortable yeah. at first. But, it was, you know, they, you know, Josh, Josh Behar brought it together. He hooked it up, man. He had he had some uh, some insider secrets that that made me look not like a dork he during did. all the photo ops. So. <laughs> Good job, Josh. Um, yeah, and one other thing on these T-shirts is that they are 100% made right here in the state of North Carolina. Mm. High-end, high quality. You will not be disappointed if you order one because you'll get a great quality T-shirt. You'll look just like us, which may be a good thing, may not be a good thing, but the proceeds are going to go to to a really well-deserving nonprofit in Suiting Warriors. So uh, we have an amazing guest lined up today. He is... Um, now retired Sergeant Major of Forcecom, which uh, Evan is an army thing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the people who are listening that might not know what Forcecom is? Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to do it justice in the way that Scott can, um, but, but Forcecom is essentially the biggest, the, the biggest unit in, in the army. So most of the, the divisions um, fall under the U.S. Force Command, as well as the entire reserve component. So um, you know, we talked about earlier in the week when we sat down with Scott that Forcecom is about, you know, two, two and a half, two, two and a half times the size of the entire Marine Corps. Right. And that's just, just army people. Yeah. He said there was people, like so. 700,000 troops in his command. It's crazy. That's right? unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And Matt, speaking of um, the Marine Corps and how small it is, we got a fantastic meme from a listener that I need to get your opinion on. Okay. Um, so it is a, let me set the scene for those of you that are just listening, uh, on radio and podcast. It is a picture of Clint Eastwood from Heartbreak Ridge. Mm, Tom Highway. Yep. He was a gunny in that movie, right? He was, he was Gunny Highway. Gunny Highway. And the meme says, I'm here to kick some ass and eat some crayons and I'm all out of crayons. Uh Oh, that, that, uh, I'd run. Yeah. Run. What's, what's your guy's favorite flavor of crayon? (laughs) Crayon. (laughs) Another, another very funny thing that was sent to me regarding, uh, Marines and our, um, the delectable, delectably tasty treat of crayons, Matt quick, uh, a guy that a lot of people on here will know from his work on LinkedIn with higher military. He hit me with such a great one liner 
on LinkedIn. I commented and I was like, you know, yada, yada, yada. Please just make sure to write it in crayon for me. And he said, Rob, why would I waste such a tasty treat on a sheet of paper? <laughs> and I was like, I forget that he spent some time four as, years. A, as yeah. a crayon eater four years before, he, before he came to the land animals. Yep. Yep. And then he went on to be a command sergeant major too as well. Yeah. So Evan, you know, our guest Scott pretty well. I wish that I knew him better, I do, but yeah, yeah, we we have been in touch for the last few months, and uh, one of the first things that that Scott said to me when we first came into contact was, "I'm going to bother you," um, you know, because he 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 cares about troopers. You know, that's that's what a sergeant major does; they they take care of troopers. And when he found out that I was going through my my transition, you know, he gave me some great advice right off the bat. And then one of the things he told me was, you know, it's not the last time you're going to hear from me. So he does. Uh, you know, periodically we'll, we'll reconnect on LinkedIn or we'll reconnect through email. And, um, you know, just that, that level of care that he has, um, you know, he's an incredible guy. I'm super stoked to have him on the show. What are those check-in likes? It's typically like, uh, you know, nothing more than, Hey, how are you doing? How's your transition going? Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of, a lot of facets from, from the job search to the, the medical stuff to VA claims to relocation. So you know, periodically it's just a, a check-in of, of where I'm at making progress, where I'm at on the, uh, the job hunt, you know, cause that, that can be a lengthy one too. Your life is planned for you from here on it's out. It's not. Dude. Matt. That's the wrong answer. Back me on this. We've got Evan's plan. It's locked down. It doesn't need to change at all. Right. I agree. Yeah. You need to stay in Wilmington. I can't. It's weird here. Columbia, South Carolina is calling his name. Joe, Joe C says thumbs down to ILM. No, he loves ILM. <laughs> Look, we could send Joe back to Jersey. <laughs> Carpet bagger. I think, uh, I, you know, I just, I belong in the woods. You know, I've always said that. We'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Across the river, man. It's all woods over Ugh. there. Ugh. No, it's swampy. Evan doesn't like it. Evan doesn't like it. Well, Scott, uh, we had an amazing conversation with him for about 30, 45 minutes, uh, just ahead of the show. Um, and man, he, he, he really struck a nerve with me mm -hmm. about, you know, when you make mistakes as a young person, man or woman, that doesn't dictate what the rest of your life is going to look like. Sure. So I think the first thing we're going to ask him out of the gate, um, <laughs> it was a pretty funny story, what he told us, and I won't take it away from him, but how, you know, doing dumb things, doesn't necessarily mean that you're like confined yeah. to that one moment in your life forever. Yeah, you don't you don't you're not destined to be a, a doer of dumb things. Right. I like that. Doer of dumb things. Doer. Is that a t shirt? You're not destined <laughs> to be a doer of dumb things. Well, I think of all of us that are in this room, there is one person who is destined to be a doer of dumb things repeatedly. Me? <laughs> Am I a dumb thing doer? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say that you're a dumb thing doer, but you are. If 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 any of you who are listening don't know Matt Mylot personally, please do, because Evan calls him our golden retriever. He's just. What does best. that mean? It means you're you're means. you're just the embodiment of awesomeness and attractiveness. Well, well, for me, a golden. I, we've had golden retrievers our whole life, and they're they're lovably dumb. I wouldn't. I hey, I own the that. fact I'm not the most intelligent person in the room. He is the only one with an MBA. He is. You know what's funny is that we're having this conversation and we're just bantering like a bunch of knuckleheads. But 
I have gotten a lot of feedback from people who have listened to the show, listened to the podcast, and they actually have, they, they've thanked me for this, whatever this is that we're doing, where we're just kind of ripping on each other, especially people who have gotten out of the Marine Corps or the Army or the Navy or the Air Force and said, hey, I really miss that camaraderie. Sure. I don't have that tribe so much around me anymore. Um, and I think that's really relevant to what Scott does too when he just checks in with you mm-hmm. um, just to see how things are going to keep that tribe together. Matt, how important is to the fabric of this show, maybe, but more to the fabric of our life of just like being able to yuck it up and, and be knuckleheads with each other? It's, I mean, it's what I live for. Yeah. I mean, it's literally the true joy I get out of every day outside of watching my girls grow up and providing for my family is is just what from the outside looks like just worthless, menial, f- flippant, like banter, like you said, but it's like, I, 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 at least for the Marine Corps, and I'm sure it's the same for the army and Navy and air force. Um, no, it's where we can be ourselves yeah, and have fun doing it. As so. my, as my, as my drill instructor used to say, being a yo-yo. Being a yo-yo? <laughs> yeah. Diddy bopping back on the block. It's one of the things that I think I, I look forward to the most, like on the, on the drive in here, like yeah. I get super excited because I know that we're just going to get to, you know, cut up for a little bit. Just going to so, cut up and chill for a little bit. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously we, we text each other all the live long day, but it's just, it's not the same as, as being here in the same room. Yeah. We text each other and then we get random pocket FaceTime phone calls from my lot. Cause yeah. he, he doesn't know how to work his new iPhone properly. No. Okay. Well, the previous generations, I didn't know you have to click it to shut it off. <laughs> and just the other day I was walking into the garage and I'm like, I think I hear Rob Wren somewhere. Oh, he's in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. He called me and I answered it and it's just like, it's so dark. Yeah. And I'm like, my lot. What do you want, buddy? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Nada. Darkness in his pocket. Well, so. I'm really excited to talk to Scott because I think we have a lot of things on the table with him. The importance of keeping that community together, Mm -hmm. that tribe, uh, those friends. But then really, you know, my, I did some dumb stuff when I was younger. You guys, we, we talked about it on a show. uh, I don't know, four, four or five episodes ago where I made some really bad fashion choices. Yeah. Like really bad. Yeah. Like worse than today. Yeah, but today's a great t-shirt because it's the Easy Hippie t-shirt. I just meant in general. Oh, in general, like yeah. your rainbow Nikes. Yeah, it? or or Matt's peach Vans. Yeah, mm. yeah. We do still make some questionable choices, but we own them and we feel more comfortable in them. And what it's about now is not trying too hard. Sure. Back then, I was trying way too hard. Yeah. To be something that I wasn't, and I wore suede Carolina blue Timberland boots. Mm. Yeah, and they were uh, awful. You know. Um, one of the things that I love about you is the fact that you address that now and yeah. you do own it. Like that picture you sent and it was, I can't even believe that, that Facebook has that much of your life. The lip ring? Yeah. No, the, the 15 years ago, the first picture that he ever put. Oh, and, and, it, and matrix, it had to be, it had to be matrix like sunglasses? Corporal yeah. Renz. Right? I was, I was, or was it Sergeant was, Renz? No, I was Lance Corporal. Lance Corporal yeah, Renz. I'd been in for maybe, I think that was from 2014. And all I saw was a floating face because he was in, in Woodland Marpat. So <laughs> it was a stick too. Um, and a stick yeah. for sure. And you, yeah, you'd look like Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> 
but um <laughs> but you know for every for every embarrassing picture of you that's out there yep. you you look at it or yeah or lip ring rob that was a great one yep. um we had fun with that around I've been through Christmas. a lot of phases but you but you own those things and like what we're talking about with Scott, you know, you don't let those things define you. Yeah. You are who you are now, maybe because of those things and maybe because you learn from those things, but they, they don't, they, you know, you don't let those things choose who you are now. Yeah. Thank God there's not a picture of me, um, to my knowledge with those boots on and the accompanying outfit that went with it. Because, I can, I can yeah. just imagine like, like, a like, like a, a starter jacket of a team that you don't even like. Or... A ribbed, like a, like a ribbed a, turtleneck white sweater, like straight up Justin I'm thinking JT like the, NSYNC. No, I'm thinking like vanilla ice, comeback vanilla ice yeah. with like a NASCAR jacket yeah. and like an all white flat bill hat Ugh. and those, those Tar Heel blue Tims. <laughs> Driving in a 5.0. Yeah. If there was a picture of me from this time, Scott might say, no, you're irredeemable. Yeah. Even though, you know, his story is going to be how... He sort of pulled himself up from a very bad situation and went on to be the command sergeant major um, of Force Com. He might have said, no, bud, you sit this one out. Like, <laughs> life's over for you at this point. <laughs> I don't think Facebook was around when when that was my, my style. So thank God for that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. On the other end of this, we're going to come back with Scott Schroeder, author of Behind the Colors, Where NCO Leadership Lives. Do not go anywhere. Well done, Joe. Right here on Signal Fire Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Signal Fire Radio. Man, do we have an awesome guest here today. His name is Scott Schroeder. You drove all the way in from Charlotte, Scott. I appreciate you being here, man. I did. I wanted to see how a real podcast was uh, was put together. How are we doing so far? You guys are doing great. I, th- I don't think I have anything to add. I mean, in the first segment, you covered everything that I was I was going to say, so... I don't think that that's possible, man. Like you were telling some of these stories, you're going to have to add a lot of color around it for us. So I think you still got a lot left in you. I, I, I do have lots of stories. Yeah. Well, let's start with, let's start with the first one. Um, Cause when we were doing like our pre-show interview with you, you, you told us something that really hit home for me, which was when you were a young soldier, you got in some trouble T- tell our folks at home what happened. I got in trouble a few times. Okay. Rob, so. I mean, the one I didn't tell you is I got in trouble. I don't know if you remember the old barracks, the hammerheads, but up on the top, outside the, uh, around the outside, they had like a little shelf that you could. Like a catwalk? Yeah, but it wasn't really a catwalk. It was only like about eight inches. That was out on the edge and. (laughs) Oh, this is getting good. Okay. (laughs) We we drank, my roommate and I drank a few beers and we were, we decided we were going to race around the building. On, on this eight-inch catwalk. On on that catwalk, and uh, <laughs> so we got we got pulled in, and and that then ended up with an article fifty, a little bit of an article fifteen. Just a little bit of one, not a yeah. full, not a not a big one. Yeah, I don't think it was real. I mean, it did result in some extra duty. I mean, we did some painting <laughs> and some picking up trash and stuff like that, but yeah. it wasn't as big as getting called to the MP station in Geeson. Yeah, for. Uh, driving an unregistered uninsured vehicle with stolen plates on it. So that was the big one. That that was the one near uh the end of my first enlistment. Okay. And and I got called down your the company commander was at a remote site so I had to go down there and see him. And I was probably within 90 days of ETS. And uh and ETS means yeah, 
expiration of time in service, so I was going to be getting out of the Army. And uh, so the first counseling was he asked me, he asked me, hey, what would my plans were for the, you know, for the future? Was, was I planning on reenlisting or not? And I told him, well, sir, it's probably depends on our next meeting. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was a, I was a, I was an E4 promotable at the time. And if he was going to reduce me to, I mean, he could have reduced me to PV1, PV2, I mean, PFC. Yeah. Uh, it it kind of depends. So I went back in for the next meeting and he gave me a verbal admonishment and I was on my way. So my, my thought was he was probably in a bind because he was probably meeting his, not meeting his retention goals mm -hmm. and he needed one more to be able to go from red to green and you were in, in his report. And I was the only one left. So <laughs> he said, "Hey, son, can you fog this mirror for me?" All yeah. right, you're staying in the army. That's right. So yeah. my so my question is, how, were you aware that these were stolen plates? Oh yeah, they were in the well. They weren't stolen. They weren't really. I took them out of the trash can because to register reappropriated. Yeah, they were in the to re to uh, register your vehicle. I had to go two and a half hours because we were in a very remote site. Right and. Instead of doing that, I just, I needed tags for my car. So <laughs> I saw them in the trash can. Somebody threw theirs out and said, hey, problem solved. I like it. That's very pragmatic. It is. I was saving time. Yeah. I was Efficient. saving time. <laughs> so that moment didn't define you or your career because you went on to do some amazing things. Tell the folks who are listening who might not be. Uh, you know, familiar with your story, like what your, the entirety of your military career looked like. The entirety of my career, 34 years, six months. I, uh, I reclassified after that. I reclassified from being an electronics mechanic to, to the infantry, went to airborne school, ranger school right after reclassifying. And then I, I was a squad leader. I was a team leader, squad leader in 82nd, third ranger battalion, uh, I went on and I was battalion and brigade sergeant major. I mean, I, I spent 34 years in the army. I can't recap it all in this yeah. short amount of time, but I had a great time. There was a fairly amazing statistic that you told us. Mm -hmm. And that was the place in the world that you lived in the most, you did the most time in one place in the world. What, what, where was that? Yeah, that was at lunch today. That was a few years back, I was able to tell people that I'd lived in Iraq longer than I'd lived in any one place in my life. How long were you in country for? So between Iraq, Afghanistan, 66 months. Good Lord. So there was never a time in your life that you lived in the United States for more than 66 months? No. In one place? <laughs> no. In one place, yeah? No, yeah. So I was in the States for that long, but yeah, we moved around quite a bit. Uh, so... And you did a couple of years in elementary school in Mexico? Yeah, I lived in Mexico for a couple of years. Very cool. And I mean, it was, I went to a Mexican school, so I had to have a tutor. That is crazy. And your dad's a retired sailor from the U.S. Navy? He was. And then he was in the space program? He worked in the space program. God, that's cool. So we moved around quite a bit. What was, the, what was that lesson that you learned, Scott, from, you know, looking back on it now? Like, okay, you did some dumb stuff when you were younger. Now you're very accomplished. What, like, if you could go back and tell yourself something or tell somebody else who's like, man, I'm whatever, I did something dumb 
And I feel like I'm resigned to that now. What would you, what would you give to people? Yeah. You only have to be resigned to it if you choose to, you know, it's your choice. I would, I was back home. If you go back to growing up, I mean, my dad was a sailor and, uh, but he was a chief when that was before the super grades and he was served in Korea in World War II. It was really hard growing up in that house. Mm. A couple of years ago, I was spending some time with some friends and, and we were talking about parents and their, their parent, their dad was really not easy to get along with. And everybody was afraid to come to their house except for me. And uh, my dad was the only one house that they wouldn't want to come to. And and the one friend, she said, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry you had to grow up like that. And and I told, told her, I'm not, because I've never, I've not, never faced anything harder in my life than growing up in that home. Wow. Wow. Is that still true? Would you say that even after 30, 34 years and six months in the oh, army? Oh, yeah. But I don't regret it at all, because it really made me who I am. Yeah. So what, what was the relationship with your father like? Especially as you you know, became a soldier and, you know, a, a, an adult. What did, what did your relationship with your dad look like? Yeah, it got better, got better and better and better. And, uh, actually I have three brothers and all my brothers believe that my father thought, thought I was a greater success than, you know, the greatest success in the family. So I mean, we got along well, especially at the end. I mean, it was, it, it all worked out, but it was hard rowing for a young kid. And when you were in the military, uh, you told us that it was pretty hard on, on your family too, for a long time there. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard on family. It can be hard on families. I mean, my wife is awesome. She's amazing. And I mean, we didn't get married until we didn't get married. I didn't get married until I was almost 30. And so it was, and it was also quite some time before we, we started doing all these deployments so we had been been able to develop a relationship. Our relationship had matured, mm. and we had the children were there. And so we had been married for several years. Not everybody has the ability to have a relationship that the foundation's already built. Uh, and we always often think of our spouses as being the ones that bear the brunt of the deployments. But I never thought about it until I was had been out of the army for, or not out of the army, but having not deployed for a while, the price that the children pay. And uh, yeah, I was, I think I told you on the pre-call, I was talking to a bunch of congressional liaisons and, and talking to them about, we were talking about family programs and, the, and what families go through during deployments. And I happened to be in my dress uniform. And uh, on one side of our uniform, we have service stripes that show how many years we have in service. So there's one stripe for every three years of service, but on the other side are combat service stripes. And, and so 66 months, I had like 11 stripes on there. Got to get longer sleeves. Yeah. Good thing I'm tall, right? And have <laughs> yeah. long arms. Uh, I, I told him, Hey, these stripes, a lot of these, these stripes, service stripes for combat are, are points of pride for lots of soldiers. But sometimes when you look at them and you're looking at them through the lens of the family, they could be seen as scars. Mm. And sometimes scars or broken bones, uh, they heal back and they heal back stronger, but some, sometimes they don't. And I just happened to be fortunate enough 
And I'm very grateful for my family that ours have grown back very strong. Well, fortunate, sure, but you guys also probably put in some real hard work to to be able to live through that, right? Uh, it was hard. I mean, it was hard, and I didn't recognize it. And a couple of the things that we did discover were um, expectation management. So setting expectations and coming back and having being able to have conversations about, hey, what do you expect? What are you feeling? How? What are you going through? And I wasn't always good at that. I'm mm. not a... I'm not in that in the disc profile chart because you, you oh, said yeah, you're, I love disc. you're in the disc. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a high D, and Marla is a high C. Okay, and so we're polar opposites, yeah. and we have different needs, and and so it actually I didn't understand that until not too long ago, and uh, it was challenging sometimes. So, so Scott just reinforced something for me. And you validated something that I always thought, <clears throat> I'm not sure how it is in the Army, but in the Marine Corps, um, there's a very common practice when you have these young junior Marines, they get to the fleet, first time away from home, um, you know, they're, they're trying to find themselves. And um, so what you're saying is the relationship path that you took with your wife, you would favor that. And there's more value in that long-term wise than meeting a hostess at Hooters and then choosing to marry her within a month. That would be a poorer choice than, than what you made. You're saying to have more foundation on your relationship. Well, I think the foundation was set. I mean, we had a decent, we were mature when we got married already. Uh, so there was some maturity there. And then we were married for quite some time before, I mean, I'd go to the field for routine field training, but I wasn't deployed to combat uh, right off. So I think that makes it even harder. Uh, makes sense. For we got about two minutes before we're going to take a break, so let's talk about that expectation management that you just um, touched on for for the men and women that are still in and that are still deploying. Um, how would what would you have done differently about setting your family's expectations so that way they can learn from kind of you know those those things you wish you had done differently? Well, one is just have the have the open and honest conversations. I mean, you don't always, you're not always going to agree, but, and then setting, I mean, you got to compromise. It takes compromise on both sides of the family to understand. And, and that's, that's where we set ours. I think that's, that worked. The other thing that we did is I, I didn't call home very often. Mm. So once a week I would call home. I, I would also say that in, Chances are that's not necessarily good. You know, Rob, when you were there, I think I was in Kandahar right behind you. Yeah. So there were no phones. I mean, so we had no phones, so we didn't do any calling. And then eventually we started doing calls, and it got so much easier to call that people would. Yeah. They would call and speak every day. Yeah. And with nothing to say. It's funny that you mentioned that we weren't we weren't going to bring this around, but we talked about Evan, you know, doing an operation this past month from the living room of his house, literally from the living room of his house. I wonder if now with like FaceTime and Zoom and everything else, it's never easy being deployed. But I wonder if that makes it a little bit, I mean, a little bit more personal, a little bit more of a personal touch, being able to see your kids and to see your wife and to have those streams of communication I think that would be, I mean, you can do some of that from remote, mm -hmm. but 
you you still got to go in. You still have to go in the door and bring out bad guys. I mean, you still have to have presence on the ground. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And, and there needs to be support. There needs to be support there. And I think it would be, in some cases, even harder from the house than when you're totally, when you're deployed, because you can't put 100% behind what you're doing. Yeah. And when you're, when you're supporting an operation, you need to be able to put 100% behind what you're doing. I mean, I, <clears throat> I definitely have an appreciation for that because I don't think I ever got a phone call from Afghanistan. Mind you, I was, I was there for, I think, four months. But then for Iraq, I was there for a total of six months, five months, and I called home twice. And my, the way that I managed my thoughts, and I, I completely forced my mind to divorce itself from life back in the U.S., and I, I really just tried to just be in the now and not think about what's back at home. And I think it helped to not be able to have the luxury of, you know, calling home. And cause I think that would psychologically mess with me personally. Yeah. Yeah. T too many distractions. There's too many distractions for, for the warfighter. If, if you're trying to do that from home, also you're not part of the environment. So you have to be in part of the environment. You need to be able to interact with the other people that are going out on operations. Uh, if you're, if you're a support person, if you're an Intel person, it's critical to be able to talk to talk to the operators yeah. and have those interfaces with them. And you can't just do it. I mean, you can do it on a Zoom call, but you're not going to get the same type of connection. You're not going to be able to feel the same thing. You got to be in the environment. I yeah, think, we've been living that the last year, yeah, or at I least I have. <laughs> poor Matt. Poor Matt's on Zoom calls eight eight to ten hours a day, and we just get text messages of him snapping a picture, and it's like three hours on this call and just this angry furrowed brow. <laughs> right. The, the other thing I did when I was deployed is, I mean, I, I rarely told Marla. I mean, she never knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. She never knew, which could create some challenges where she didn't know what I was doing, but she didn't know what I was doing. I I'd never told her about any of the operations that we did. Uh, I did one time give her a call and say, I'm not going to be able to talk to you for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to talk to you for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then, it, then the operation was on the news. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's probably not received well back yeah. in the home front. Yeah. I remember when, when, uh, first Gulf war kicked off, we got a phone call from my dad and he was like, Hey, I'm leaving. I'm not coming home tonight. I'll call you when I can. And the next thing we saw was his C-130 tanker. Or we, we saw that, you know, we had announced that we were going to war, uh, against Iraq for invading Kuwait and we saw dad see, fly to C-130 in and it was like, well, okay, I guess we'll see him when we see him. So, well, excellent. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Scott about his book, Behind the Colors, Where NCO Leadership Lives. Do not go anywhere right here on Signal Fire Radio. Back to Signal Fire Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest, Scott Schroeder, is looking, is looking at Matt like, what the heck is happening right he, now? He is a dancer. He, so, Scott, every episode, if we come back with this song, Matt requires Matt requires us to wait until that little... What is it about that, Matt, that gets you so excited? You've asked me that before, and growing up in the Night of the Roxbury era, the people start out with techno, 
then went to EDM, but I love the synthesized electronic addition to traditional music. Yeah. It just gets me. Is this is this the one, Matt? Is this the one you listen to right before you go out on a mission? <laughs> no, no. This is this is more of like a you know, doing my favorite pastime. Like, um, I actually like sky oh geez, it's just getting better and better. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at, see my hair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh some night at the Roxbury Hadaway. What is love? Joe, jump on the mic real quick, man. Where were you yes, when sir. you first heard this song? The Roxbury. I think some whipped cream was involved. <laughs> uh, and that's where all I want to go after yeah. that. It was blackout after some, that. Somewhere, somewhere in Manhattan. It, just... was, it was blackout after the uh, trip to the corner store for a couple of ready whips. <laughs> that's probably the first time I heard this song ever. Oh, man, I love it. We do ask all of our guests, like, what's that one song? That you're wanting to go out on patrol. You had an in- interesting answer when we asked you that, Scott. You're, yeah. My answer was, uh, I, I don't want any song. I want total silence. Nothing. Nothing. I Why? Want, I, I want to be focused. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anything on my mind. I don't want. I don't want to be humming a song when I'm getting ready to roll down. Yeah. The, roll out. Especially a song like that, right? Especially a song like that. Oh, diddy bopping down the street. Well, no, and that's what I'm saying. That song makes me want to go surf, spearfish, skydive, like the the peace, the nectar of life to me. Um, but I think I would prefer listening to music, and I didn't say this the other day, but I need to mask the uh, ever-present heart pounding that's just like reverberating through my body because yeah. I'm just jacked. Just like, <laughs> let's get rid of that. Let's think about something else. You got to stop drinking those bang energy drinks all the time, man. That's the problem. So funny you mentioned that. Okay. Um, because of Jenna Cutting's episode uh, a few weeks ago, one of the things, Sarah is reading this book, my wife, and it's a book that Jenna recommended for her. And I've always asked people, well, what exactly is bad about drinking these sugar-free energy drinks? And people are like, oh, it's just a bunch of chemicals. I'm like, yeah, but Tell me what is actually bad with it. And then she read a part of this book to me and it basically says sugar or not energy drinks and those caliber of, of foods and substances, I guess it can like predispose you for like diabetes and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, and I, I haven't had one, bro. I literally have not had one for a couple of weeks and I probably won't ever have one. Are you DTing right now from them? No, no. I mean, I, I, only when I was a cop would I actually drink them on the rig. Yeah. So no. Uh, I remember in 08 in TQ we would we would raid. What's TQ? To, uh, oh, good. Al Takadam. Al Takadam. Al Takadam. Oh, I see the connection. Yeah, TQ. yeah, yeah. TQ. Yeah. We would not AT. We, we would go raid those little rippets. The little what are those. Yeah, you, the ninety nine cent. Did bombs. you ever get those? Like the we had them. Yeah. Those were that. I that won the war. Rippets. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. Hmm. Hundred percent. You want to just line your lip as if it was with chewing the tobacco? MRE coffees? Yeah, with yeah. MRE coffees. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All these things have been done. Great for your team. Yeah. Well, speaking of the book that you're reading, our guest, Scott, wrote a book, Behind the Colors Where NCO Leadership Lives. Scott, tell us what, what is the book about? Yeah, Rob, really, you know, I, wrote it, I wrote it a little bit out of frustration, but the book is, is really about describing the three skills that enlisted soldiers should de- develop at every level of leadership. And so if we could get brand new sergeants or corporals to lead by personal example, train individual team and crew task and inspect, that's, that's a great foundation for everything they do for the rest of their career. And it, it doesn't, doesn't matter 
whether they're a sergeant or a command sergeant major, they're going to have to be able to perform those three skills. Give me those three again. What were they? Lead by personal example, train individual teams and crews, and inspect. Okay. And so that, I mean, in those and staff sergeant, I mean, and staff sergeants in the army are, are the only NCO in a soldier's chain of command. So by virtue of that, they have to be able to plan using troop leading procedures. They have to be able to track personnel equipment and training standards, uh, statuses, and they have to be able to execute their wartime mission. So, I mean, that's one of the things I'm looking at doing right now is trying to pull those out because what I found is outside of the military, those skills that we develop inside the military are absolutely transferable outside of the military. They just need to be applied a little bit differently, but they're absolutely applicable. When did you find that those three things were like the, the sauce for you? Well, the, the challenge was we were telling everybody, young leaders, hey, you, we want you to do all this stuff right here. And, and I said, hey, if you don't do anything else, young sergeant, do these three things. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, covered, that will cover almost, if you focus on those three types, and it, it's covered in the book, each chapter is covered, and it talks about lessons of success and failure uh, over time. Yeah, because I'm looking through it, you've got like sort of chapter three, sergeant and then all the way up to command sergeant major and right. it's just the way you've you the way you've done the chapters is is like a promotion and rank right and so what as a sergeant let's start there you know give us a story about when you when you saw those three things you were putting them into practice and whatever the thing that needed doing it just it clicked like that well i learned that i mean early on i learned that I needed to be able to inspect others, and I learned that by being inspected. And, and uh, here's an example. And we were in Korea. We were doing Team Spirit, and I was a weapons squad leader. And so at, as a weapons squad leader, I had three M60 machine guns that I was responsible for. And the leaf spring, the leaf spring held on the pistol grip, which had the trigger housing on it. And when we got to the support by fire position, one of the M60 gunners had lost their pistol grip or their tr trigger assembly. And so we had 23 pounds of steel and about 900 rounds of 7.62 that couldn't be used in the support by fire position. That is an example of me failing to, to ins do an inspection because we would take uh, tripwire to lace those leaf springs to make sure that those things didn't fall off because they were easy. You know, those leaf springs just could get rubbed off. So that's an example. Another example of failing to inspect, you might, uh, you know, some of these lessons we get relearn. We relearn all these. So you don't stop learning these. So to, to illustrate a point, as a battalion sergeant major right, going down Route Tampa, and I had a patrol out on Route Tampa that had stopped at a suspected IED, and they take their mark bot, you know, the robot that goes out to interrogate the IED. Well, they're sitting there, and they can't do, they can't do anything because the mark bot, the batteries died. <laughs> and so now we got to get another patrol to come over to mm -hmm. go recover the mark bot 
and inter- interrogate the ID, get the Mark bot and bring, bring it all back, right? So that was just another lesson of, hey, inspect. In- inspections are critical. I mean, you do inspections in here. Yeah. Right? You do rehearsals. Rehearsals and inspections Rob are critical. Rob just inspected me before the show. I did inspect you. I said, my life, get your stuff together before we do this show. <laughs> Joe. I appreciate the suggestion. Look at Joe. Joe's 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 showing the uh, the uh, universal sign for putting on the rubber glove for the for the prostate exam. I don't think it got that far. <laughs> well, Matt, you did just turn forty, so it's time for an anal cavity search. Oh my! Come on, he likes it. Joe here, says. Here, here's another here's another illustration, and I talked to you about presence. Yeah, you know before, and and so as a as the sergeant major. Uh, at IJC, so that's all of the conventional forces across all of Afghanistan. Uh, I I went in, I flew in and checked this cop out. We were only stopping for a short time because I was just catching a ride back, and and I was talking to a, a first sergeant, and I asked the first sergeant. I was asking about his force protection posture on his little cop, and and ask him about where the OP was because the last time I had been out there, uh, the, there was an OP up on a mountain observation post. Yep. Observation post of over on the mountain. Gonna, we're going to ask you what IJT is in a second. You IJC, that's the International Joint Command. Oh, we normally we mess right. with we mess with Matt. We make him answer people's uh, people's acronyms. Yeah. We'll get another one. <laughs> so, so this was a new first our new unit, and I had been there before, but they had moved their OP, and I asked him when when the last time he had been up there was, and he, you know, the look I got from him was, uh, I've never been up there. And so I said, okay, I'm coming back in a couple weeks, and I want to go up there. And so long story short, I came back. As I was coming back and flying in, there was a there was an helicopter orbiting the OP with some sling loads. And, and so I come in, we land, we get together, we truck, we walk up to the Top of we walk up to the top of that mountain in the because you can't go in in the during the daylight you go in pitch dark get up to the top and there's eight soldiers up there and they're spending two weeks and I ask them you know hey you got everything you need and he said yeah this is this is great because we got hot now they got hot chow yep. they got popping heat meals they got some fuel for burning uh, waste they got some class four so some stuff for protection protect their positions. Uh, so they got 20,000 pounds worth of supplies that they hadn't had mm-hmm. before we went up there and checked on it. And uh, I asked him, Do you, is there anything else you need? And the sergeant said, if you can get us another pickaxe, that would be that would be pretty cool. I said, hey, first sergeant, can we get him another pickaxe? And so... Presence matters when you go up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go someplace, you, as a leader, you bring things with you. Now, another example of presence is, uh, you know, you always, you always take something. You're always taking something. Um, so you'll take time when you go visit people or, or as a leader comes around, you'll take their time. You'll cause them to have to divert from what their mission is. Uh, so presence matters, but you got to leave more than you take. I'm glad you said that. Cause I've been working real hard on like being where my feet are. Right. Um, you know, and I've, I've heard other people say that and really 
to me, what it means is that whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm not thinking about the next thing. You know, like we're here doing our show. I'm not thinking about my business or I'm, I'm always thinking about my kids and my family, but not in that sense where I'm like worried or, or nervous that, that things aren't happening because I'm not there. I can't control it. I want to be here. I want to be in this moment because there's so much more to take from that. Is that rendered down into what you mean by being present? Well, I, I, I'm talking about being present and when a leader goes by, I mean, there's a couple different types of presence. So you're, you're talking about, are you talking about being present? Physically present? Well, physically, physically present, yes, but also mentally, mentally and, and emotionally available for whatever, you know, as, as whatever your, your leadership requires at that time. So, yeah, yeah, being physically present, but also like I'm here, my mind isn't drifting elsewhere doing other yeah, things. Yeah, you're in the zone. Right, right. So we're not always in the zone where our emotions when our emotions and our thoughts and our physical presence are always together, we're not always in that zone. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that comes from, you know, being yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, we got a couple of minutes left here. Um, first, I want to ask you, will you, I know it was a long haul for you. It can, was. We, can we have you come back on in like five or six months or something just to have you on again? Cause I think there's still so much we could talk about. Sure. Okay. Okay. If anybody, real quick, in, in like 60 seconds, what is it that you do now that you've gotten out of the Army professionally? What is your, what's your focus now other than checking in on Evan every once in a while? Yeah, well, I, I just want to be valued to, to others. And so I, right now I'm working with a couple, couple different companies and helping them try to be successful. And, and, and I, I'm looking at doing, a, doing another book, maybe a sequel to, to what that is on how to apply the lessons that we've learned and be successful in organizing for veterans to be successful, uh, but anybody to be successful because it doesn't, I mean, it just takes, you got to find your passion. I think finding your passion and my passion is to help others. I mean, I'm excited for you guys. You guys are doing great work. You're really, I mean, you're, I'm probably the oldest guest you've ever had on. Um, no, I think that goes to Rob Campbell. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna no, give I don't it to think Kurt. so. I don't think Rob. I don't think Rob's older than me. Yeah. No, I don't okay. think so. I think. I mean, <laughs> we'll let him know that we think he's older than you. <laughs> I, I, I don't think. To be fair, I don't think he's older than me. But uh, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I feel younger. Yeah. But I I don't have as much runway left. Yeah. As uh, you guys. So I just want to be wherever I can be value added to others. I would like to be value added to others. Excellent. And if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. That, they can check me out at Schroeder Coaching Systems uh, website or Scott at Schroeder Coaching Systems. Love it. All right. That's Scott Schroeder, ladies and gentlemen, author of Behind the Colors, where NCO leadership lives. We're going to take one more very quick break, and then we're going to come back for the wrap-up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Signal Fire Radio. Ride my bike with no handlebars, no handlebars, no handlebars. I can ride my bike with no handlebars, no handlebars, no handlebars. Look at me, look at me, hands in the air like it's good to be alive. And I'm a famous rapper, even when the paths are all crookedy. I can show you how to do-si-do, -si -do. I can show you how to scratch a record. I can 
Joe Catanacci. I want to thank you guys at Big Talker for everything you do. I'm a Navy vet. Thanks to you and, and your program, I found out there were some benefits out there I didn't even know I had. Yo, you're the best. I appreciate you. I sit out of my garage with the radio on and I listen to you. It makes me feel good to be an American. Joe Catanacci. We're just doing a quick wrap up. We need like more lady. We need more lady gaga. You know the song. <laughs> Who is it? I'm the definition of half man, half something. I don't know. This is this is P Diddy. Sean Combs. Puppy Nipples Combs. I don't know what his name is. Yeah. This is bad boy for life. He's so bad. I mean, he is just hard and bad. Bad. Yeah. It's got to be hard to have your own liquor. Are we on right now? Oh my gosh. This whole time I thought we were waiting to come back. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that show just went off the rails there. Evan, appreciate you being here, man. Thank you for reaching out to Scott and having him come join us. That was a fantastic guest. Yeah. I'm really glad that uh, we were able to bring him and he was able to make that trek from... From uh, the great western side of North Carolina. What do they call that? This is this CLT, is the Piedmont. Coastal. Piedmont. No, Piedmont's where I am. What's yeah. the western part called? ILM, Coast. Yeah. Appalachia. Yeah. Appalachia. I don't know. Any parting thoughts, man? Um, uh, I got nothing. All right. Well, that's the, that's the musings of the muscle hamster. How about you, Matt? Anything? Uh, just go out there, be a signal fire, tell people you love them, hold your friends accountable. And have strength realigned. Matt said it very, very well. Actually, uh, when we saw each other at the coffee shop earlier, yep. we had like the best embrace of like three dudes just hugging right there in the hipster coffee shop. You Everybody, couldn't, you couldn't have scripted. No, that, you no. couldn't have. It was like it was like that climactic moment at the end of a movie. Evan, we're so glad that you're back with us. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this show. Please go review us on our podcast page. It actually helps us out an awful lot um, by helping other people see our show and hopefully um, hearing what we have to say. And we just hope that it will help them in some meaningful way. Until next time, I am Rob. I am joined by my besties, Matt Mylot and Evan Anderson. Go out there and do something amazing for yourself and in your communities. We'll see you next Monday at 6 o'clock right here on Signal Fire Radio. Have a good one till next week.